Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Corner, llegó el gol de Olivier Giroud. Marca el Arsenal, marca Olivier Giroud. Gol de los Gunners. This is Arscast Extra. Hello there, welcome to another Arscast Extra. As always, with James from Gunner Blog. Goodly morning to you, James. Goodly morning. How, how, how are, are you? I'm okay. Oh, Ooh. You first, you go first. I'm okay. That was messy of me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm all right. I am all right, yes. I'm fine. Good. I'm okay. Nothing strange or startling, you know, nothing mm-hmm. out of the ordinary, nothing weird or wonderful. Just just okay. I'm here. Just okay. Still going. Yeah. How are you? How's it all going in Edinburgh? Uh, I'm lovely, yeah. I'm, I'm slightly croaky of voice. That will that will happen across the month of me shouting into microphones and yeah. staying up too late. But uh, having a lovely time. So, Excellent. yeah, it's been great. It's been a bit... The weather's been touch and go, but I'm in Scotland, guys. What to expect? Well, you can expect uh, a lot of sunshine and midges. I think that's what you led us to believe the last time you were in Scotland. Well, look, thus far, no midges. So. Right. Let's view that as progress. That's certainly a, a positive for you. Um, before we get on with all the very b- busy Arsenal stuff that's going on, towards the end of the show, we will talk about my visit to Nando's. I mean, I'm so excited. I, I've seen <laughs> pictorial evidence. Uh, can't wait to find out how you got on. It was quite the experience, let me tell you. Really? Okay. okay. Yeah, yeah, it really was. Um, but yeah, we'll discuss that towards towards the end of the show because, you know, here we are, James, six days from now, our first game of the season takes place against Liverpool. Where did the summer go and what the fuck? That's quite frightening, isn't it? Six days. Yeah. That doesn't feel like a lo- an awful lot of days. It's not a lot of days when your squad is, I won't say falling apart, but has developed further issues on top of the issues that it that it already had. Yeah, not good news coming out of this latest friendly about, about our friend Gabrielle. Mm, yeah, not good. And of course, it's a situation that, well, you'd have to say we've, well, you wouldn't say we brought it on ourselves, but we, we took a risk, right? We took a risk, didn't we? Um, a, playing Gabrielle for 90 minutes. Yeah. And, and B not doing anything about the central defensive issue from the time we knew that, that Per Mertesacker was injured. That injury took place on July 22nd or 23rd in the preseason game against Longs. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So that's over two weeks ago. And we knew that per Mertesacker, I'm sure the club knew before anybody else knew that Mertesacker was going to be out for a significant period of time. It it meant that we had to do something about the central defensive issue. We had to go and identify a central defender and bring them in. We knew that Lauren Koscielny was going to be coming back late from the European Championships. And that's the right thing, isn't it? I mean, uh, Arsene Wenger's criticised all the time about not giving players enough rest. Uh, yeah, I think that was the right call. I think if we if he was suddenly thrown into the fray, I think we'd be disappointed about that, especially given what happened with the likes of Alexis last mm, season. Yeah. And here we are, where I think that is probably what's going to happen. Because Gabrielle picked up this injury in the injury time in a pre-season friendly... Um, which seems quite pointless, doesn't it? Playing injury time in a preseason friendly. But there you go. Um, these things happen. But now we're waiting to see how long he's going to be out. But it looks like damaged ankle ligaments, which could be anywhere between a few weeks and forever. Um, so <laughs> and knowing us, uh, I know which side of that I'd probably lean towards. Yes, uh, you know, as fatalistic as we all are when it comes to to Arsenal injuries. Uh, but you know, the situation that we find ourselves in right now, with six days to go before the start of the new season, uh, it's just not. It's not good. It's r- bad planning, bad transfer strategy. You know, even let's say, okay, let's throw this out there. All right. Let's say that Arsene Wenger's plan this season was that Per Mertesacker and Gabriel would start the season. Mm-hmm. Gabriel or Lauren Koscielny comes back, does a bit of preseason training. He can ease him back into action after two or three weeks. So he's got his three senior central defenders there, right? And then as backup, he's looking at Callum Chambers, who he's got in the squad, and obviously Rob Holding who he's been after. He's brought in Rob Holding from Bolton. So he's got two young central defenders to back up three senior central defenders. Now, I I still think that a central defensive signing was necessary to improve the squad. I think we we spoke about this. But let's let's imagine that was his plan. And I have to think that it probably was, right? Yeah. Right. That plan went out the window the minute Mertesacker got injured. Absolutely. And the risk of something happening to one of the other senior central defenders, either Gabriel or Koscielny, if you bring him back too early, is so high that it surely would have meant that you went out and did something about the central defensive situation as soon as possible. And I know all the caveats that are out there, you know, transfer market, it's not like going into a supermarket and just picking a central defender off a shelf, blah, blah, blah. You know, it's complicated. It takes negotiation, all those things. You can get a deal done very quickly if you're of a mind to get a deal done quickly. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And, you know, you may have to pay a little over the odds to do that. You may have to be more emphatic in your decision-making than Arsene Wenger is at times. But the need is so clear. But, I mean, the hugely frustrating thing is that the centre-half has become a kind of crisis. I mean, I don't know if that's the right term to describe it in, in terms of how desperately we need one, but that's not exactly the only requirement in the transfer market. So to have not dealt with that at least, to have left ourselves with so much to do is really frustrating. Yeah, I mean, I was watching the game yesterday against Man City. I don't know if you got a chance to to watch it. And I have to say that I said it in the blog today, I felt a bit more relaxed generally about the striker situation 
mm. and we'll come to that and, and what might be happening or what might n- not be happening uh, in a minute. But I was watching the game and I was looking. Oxlade Chamberlain, you know, missed a chance, but you know he's he's a fairly established player, can play on the right hand side. Alex Iwobi is a really really exciting talent. I love watching him. Yeah. Uh, so we've got him. We had Alexis. Uh, playing up front, we had Theo Walcott come on on the right hand side after Arsene Wenger said, "No, I'm not. I'm not playing him on the right. He can't defend. I'm not playing him there." Walcott came on on the right hand side and uh, made an assist and, and got a goal. Joel Campbell is there. You know, we're not absolutely down to brass tacks there. We're not shorn of options. Now that doesn't mean I don't think we shouldn't sign a striker. I think we we absolutely should. But I was much more relaxed about it. Um, for the opening couple of games of the season. I don't think we're in as good shape as we could be, but I don't think we're in terrible shape. But watching the defense and watching the defenders, I was thinking, oh, you know, that that was the thing that worried me. I thought if we have to prioritize a signing before the start of the season, before the start or before the Liverpool game, it has to be a central defender. Rob Holding is 20 years of age, looks okay, but, you know, we can't make any judgment on him. And he's being asked to make a huge, huge step up from League One football. Uh, was he playing League One? It was Championship. They got he was, relegated. Well, he was yeah. relegated from yeah. Championship. Relegated from Championship. But now you're asking him to play for a, a club that has ambitions of winning the Premier League. We we can make no real judgment on him at this point. It'd be hugely unfair uh, to to do such a thing. But it's also unfair to throw him in right at the deep end in that way. I think Callum Chambers, Arsene Wenger only picked him there once as a central defender last season. He started him in one game as a central defender, and Gabriel. I'm very sorry for his injury. I don't like to see any Arsenal player get injured. I didn't like some of the comments that I saw afterwards where people were going, good, good, it's, I'm glad he's injured, he's shit, blah, 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 or this will force the manager's hand. I don't buy into any of that. It's terrible news for us that he is injured because of the situation that we have. But he was he was really poor defensively. I think he's a guy who's struggling. He struggled last season. He doesn't look at all comfortable. I don't know if the, their communication issues are still a thing. That's um, interesting. I, I only saw the highlights. So he had yeah. a difficult ninety minutes, did he? He did have a difficult ninety minutes. He was, I won't say at fault, but you know his defending for both the city goals was not great. Um, mm. And and it struck me that look, a defensive signing is really, really important. So if you make a defensive signing right now, let's say we go out and buy somebody today, which we're, you know is clearly not going to happen. But let's say even we did go out and, and sign somebody today. By the time we bring them to England. By the time they, you know, get a, a couple of days with the team, trying to, maybe they've got to learn a new language. Maybe they don't understand English. Maybe, you know, they've got to learn new teammates, a, a new style of play. Maybe they, they'll be asked to do things differently from their former club. You know, it's just a fucking shambles that we would expect to go into a season, even if we make a new signing, um, this guy to fit in and be effective straight away. I mean, the... It, We've been undone by injury, but nobody could say that injury at Arsenal is unprecedented. It's no, just that's a it. I, mess. <laughs> I mean, injuries exposed, I guess, um, some of the problems in our transfer policy because we, uh, being absolutely frank, we probably needed to sign a centre half, irrespective of what happened this summer, uh, be, precisely because something like this can happen, and when it's us, invariably does. Uh, obviously, Gabriel and being out and Mertzak being out has really exacerbated that need but it's it, I don't I mean I've got no real optimism that anything will get done in the next week I, I hate to sound bleak about it but I, I can't see that happening 
Do you, do you think they will manage to push something through? I think they'll have to, yeah. I think that they've been talking so much about uh, defensive signings, about the need for a central defender. I know there's, you know, the internal solutions. You know, you could play holding in chambers. There's two central defenders. You've got two central defenders. You've got Christian Bielik, an 18-year-old as backup. Nacho Monreal, Matthew Debussy have both been used at centre-half. So, you know, it's not as if we're going, well, we don't have anyone to play there. It's just the fact that the people we, we, we can play there either aren't ready or aren't good enough for a team that has real ambitions of, of winning the title. So I think they, they have to put something through this week. It's just whether or not that player can come in and perform to the level that we want him to perform to. You know, there's there's a big question as well. By the time you get a deal done, I don't know, it's just a fucking mess. It really is a mess. And there was no need for it. You know, where, where we should have acted with real uh, alacrity is the minute Mertesacker got injured. Then it was so obvious that we had to make a signing, they should have said, okay, here are the centre-halves that we've got on our list, the ones that we've uh, targeted and scouted, which I assume they have, right? They must have, right? Am I just... Well, (laughs) right, Right, James? (laughs) I know, I mean, it it feels obvious, but I wouldn't put it past them. I mean, you think most clubs operate, you know, they have a kind of number of targets for every position if something comes up, and they resort to that if needed, but... I don't know. It's Arsene Wenger's whims, isn't it? Yeah, it is. But that's when we should have made the signing. That's when we should have made the decision. This is the one that we want. And if we can't get this one, then we'll get this one. And we send our fucking chief negotiator and our chief executive, fucking great transfer men that they are, send them out to get the fucking deals done. Doesn't matter if we're on tour in America. Doesn't matter if we're like in Scandinavia. You can get the deals done if you want to get the deals done. That's when it should have happened. It should have happened straight after the Mertesacker injury. That's when the decision should have been made, and that's when the signing should have been made, because we could have a guy now. We could be going, oh, it's terrible that Gabriel is injured, but, you know, we've got this new signing who's had a couple of weeks training with the lads. He settled in, and, uh, you know, let's look forward to seeing what he can do. Now, even if we do bring somebody in, and let's say we throw them into action... We're not, that's not a fair fucking crack of the whip. That's not a fair way to start your career. And I know football isn't all fucking easy peasy and there are challenges for players to overcome, but fuck, you know, why do we make things so difficult for ourselves? I just don't understand it. I really don't. It's ludicrous, really. I mean, I, I can't find an explanation as to why we haven't bought a centre-half other than that we have struggled in the negotiations. That's the only thing I can think because the need is so evident. That they must, I mean, even before Gabriel's injury, they had to go and do it. Um, what so, if, yeah, maybe yeah. maybe we just won't pay the price. What if there haven't been any negotiations? Well, what if I mean, we're, if, we're sort of sitting and biding our time and waiting and, and seeing, you know, what happens? Then we're playing a very dangerous game. <laughs> well, we've just played the dangerous game and we have got fucking reamed. Yeah, we lost. We mm. lost. I mean, and it's only going to get trickier now. This is the thing Arsenal always says about the end of the window being a, a prime opportunity to, you know, to, to, to try and find a deal. But mm. I, I don't necessarily interpret it that way because, you know, the selling the the position of the selling clubs does grow stronger too because they know the buyers are more desperate as the as the deadline approaches. And also, they're they're you know, if you're a if you're a selling club or potentially a selling club, when you sell a big player, and let's assume that it's a big player that you want to go after, you need to replace them. Mm. You need time to replace them. So if you're playing this brinksmanship to the end of the window and you're going, well, you know, we'll offer, we'll offer, we'll offer, and they have no time to make a replacement, they're just as just as likely to say no and hold on to players. 
you know? That's a very good point. That's a very good point. So, so yeah, I, I don't necessarily subscribe to the view that that's the optimum time to get deals done. I feel like the longer the w- we wait, the harder we're making it for ourselves. Mm. Hmm. Classic. Classic Arsenal. <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, fuck, it's just so frustrating, isn't it? I mean, I think what's almost certainly going to happen is that Laurent Koscielny is going to be asked to play the first Premier League game of the season. Yeah. I don't think we've got any choice, to be perfectly honest. Mm. You know, what What do you do? Do you take a chance on a rookie-like holding and put him in with Chambers? What if it goes really wrong? It's quite possible that two young centre-halves together, I know they played in in, uh, in America together, but, you know, it's pre-season, it's fitness, it's not really a, a reflection of what they're going to face in the Premier League. What if it goes really wrong? What if Rob Holding's Arsenal debut is an absolute unmitigated disaster through no fault of his own? I don't think that's right. I don't think it's fair. So, for me, the only real option we have is he's either going to move Monreal into centre half and play him with Chambers, something like that, or he'll bring back Koscielny. Well, uh, look, Koscielny's only in training, I think, today, is it? Monday? Yeah, he's only just come back, yeah. You can't play a player with a week's training, can you? It's ludicrous. But I don't know what option there is. Yeah, I mean, that's the situation. I mean, it's trying to make a silk purse out of a sow's ear, isn't it? It really is. Very much so. Very much so. Oh, fuck. (laughs) Seriously, I just, you know, I just don't understand it. I don't fucking get it. Like if, if, for example, Mertesacker and Gabrielle had been playing together through preseason and both of them got injured yesterday, you go, well, fuck, that's actually a bit unfortunate. Mm. But not reacting to the Mertesacker injury, injury, which took place over two weeks ago. There's, there's just no fucking reason for that. It's unforgivable. Really, really bad planning, and it's left us... He took a huge risk, and as ever with Arsene Wenger, when he takes a risk, it normally fucking fails. Yeah. Um, so I think, uh, yeah, I think he's got, a lot, he's got a lot to do this week, a lot to think about, but also a lot to do. You know, he can't go through this week without bringing in a central defender. You just can't do it. And now our position, of course, is that everybody knows we badly, badly need a, a central defender. So whatever little bit of uh, bargaining strength we had uh, is out the window. I saw Tim Stillman saying there on Twitter, expect Arsenal to downplay the seriousness of Gabriel's injury because it might weaken the hand in the transfer. It's already weak. It's fucked. And yeah. we're just going to have to like suck it up and pay what it takes to get the player that we want. I just yeah, hope. I just hope. No choice. Yeah, I just hope that's what we're going to do. And to be honest, it might cost us an extra, I don't know, five million quid, ten million quid, but there is no other choice now. And whose fault is that? It's not the market, you know. No, I think it's you know it's the way we've done our business. Yeah, yeah. I mean, ideally, like in any even injuries aside, you know, you want to get the players in before the start of the season. How many times has Arsene Wenger talked about that, saying that, you know, he, he would prefer the transfer window to close as soon as the season starts? I think that's a reasonable position to take. Mm. I, I really do. <clears throat> Excuse me, but, um, you know... Your, vo- your voice cracking with the emotion, emotion of the situation. The thing there, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's just like, oh, fucking hell. It, it feels... You know, I don't think we're in as bad a shape as people make out in some ways. I think midfield looks great. We've got good midfield options and up front we certainly need a signing, but you know, there are options there for the for the opening games of the season. Let me ask you this. 
Do you think there's any possibility that the reason we haven't signed a striker yet is because we're trying to do something really big or ludicrously big that's complicated and difficult and perhaps dependent on other deals? And that Arsene Wenger, he, he spoke over the weekend about how, you know, a lot of stuff happens in the last week. The transfer market moves in the last week. Is that a hint that maybe he's willing to go the distance? Or do you just think it's like more incompetence? I don't know. I mean, I would like to believe that that's the case, but that even if that is the case, that feels like a very perilous strategy, one that may not necessarily come off. I'd rather we pursued things with a, a degree of certitude, you know? I, yeah. I, I, I worry about a sort of post-deadline day press conference where Arsenal's like, well... We tried, the dominoes didn't fall correctly mm. for us, you know. Yeah. I can already see it in my mind. Um, but what would you prefer? Would you prefer a, a sort of Lacazette signing now? Or if we could do something like Ozil uh, towards the end of the transfer window? I mean, would you be prepared to wait that out if we would get that kind of player? I guess so. I mean, the reason partly I'm saying that now is that I don't really... I, I don't really feel like a, a huge amount is possible. Maybe one deal. I'd be very surprised too before the start of the actual season proper. But I, I guess I would go for the kind of Urzel uh, option and hope we could make it through this these first few games of the season. Mm. My concern is in the striker situation, I have no idea who that is. Like I yeah, yeah, I, yeah. Could, I couldn't pluck a name at all for you. Yeah. Lewandowski, that's the one that I saw doing the rounds on Twitter. But I mean, I just can't fathom that. I can't believe that that could be... Yeah, true. But wouldn't that wouldn't that necessitate Bayern buying somebody of equal stature? So who's that? Yeah, you know, where, exactly. how do those dominoes fall into place? I don't know who the dominoes are in this particular. You know, with Özil, there was always at least the thing of Gareth Bale. You know, Gareth Bale. We we're waiting for Gareth Bale to move to Real Madrid, and there was a lot of talk that could free up Benzema or yeah. potentially Özil. I don't know who the domino that size is. Pogba went to United, uh, Higuain has gone to Juve as you said I think last week that's kind of that money wrapped up that's mm. the end of that domino rally Yeah. so I don't know who the big piece is that sets something in motion yeah me neither me neither I don't understand where we fit into that kind of dynamic maybe there is maybe there is something happening or maybe there are machinations behind the scenes but I don't looking at the market looking at the players available looking at just the talent at the top clubs I don't really see how we fit into it or what we might do would fit into all of that. So it's difficult to know what the fuck is going on other than nothing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the that's the safest conclusion, right? Mm. Um, yeah. Yes, frightening, frightening times. Yeah. Anyway, look, we, you know, we continue to drive ourselves mad about transfers um, based on the little or no information we have other than the desire that we all have for Arsenal to improve the squad and to bring in players that will help us uh, challenge for the title, challenge for the Champions League next season. But as the season or as the summer has gone on, we appear to be no closer to any of those players. No, no closer at all. I mean... We can go round and round talking about this all day, can't we? It's absolutely mm. infuriating. I, I'm so frustrated, especially with the way the summer started. It's kind of last summer all over again, isn't it? Uh, a very good, very promising signing quite early on in the summer. Yeah. We waited for the rest to arrive, 
and they they kind of didn't. Well, they completely didn't. <laughs> yeah, last time they they definitely didn't. They definitely did not. Yeah, there is that. Actually, you know, we can let, let's move off this because we are just going to drive ourselves mad. Um, over the weekend, two wins. Um, uh, in our preseason friendlies, Viking FK were hammered 8 0. Yes, indeed. Uh, I didn't really see anything of that other than the goals, which looked yeah. fine. Some good know. goals. Joe Campbell involved in yeah. uh, involved uh, with plenty of that. Yeah. I actually think he, he could be quite an important player in the first few weeks of the season. Yeah, I think him and uh, Alex Iwobi. Uh, Iwobi, of course, scored twice against Viking. He scored the equaliser against Manchester City. Um, you know, I was just thinking, you know, if you're looking at Iwobi, if we were looking at another team, let's say a Manchester United or a Chelsea or a Man City or a Tottenham or somebody like that, if they had a young player of that talent coming through, we'd be mm. going, oh, why don't we get players like that? So I'm really encouraged by him. I think uh, I think he's going to be an important part of the, the opening few weeks of the season. Um because simply so because of of our need for for forward players, and there were some interesting bits, you know, in the game against Manchester City. I thought we played pretty well overall. Uh, made good chances in the first half. Didn't take them. Ramsey missed a header. Oxley Chamberlain uh, tried another little chip, which didn't go off. That, yeah. <laughs> um, there was another cha- uh, Francis Coquelin, who will never, ever, 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 ever score for Arsenal. Um, just throwing that out there, a bit of a reverse jinx ahead of the, the games coming up uh, thick and fast very soon. Of course, of um, course. But he had a great chance. And, and then, of course, uh, Man City scored with more or less their first shot on goal. So it was it was, um, it was very Arsenal, but a good response in the second half. Uh, Theo Walcott uh, got a really lovely goal, really nice goal. Good movement great with goal. Alexis um, coming in from the right-hand side. So perhaps showing Arsene Wenger that he can play from the right-hand side, even though Arsene Wenger says he can't, and Walcott says he doesn't want to play as a striker. So it's all very, um, uh, what's the word, harmonious there. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a very confusing situation. What yeah. do you actually, how, so how do you interpret it? I don't Walcott fucking thing? know, I don't know. It's just so fucking arsenal and bonkers and crazy like the player says i want to be a striker then says no i don't want to be a striker and the manager says no well you're not going to play on the right hand side you're not you're not good enough defensively to play on the right hand side and then in a warm-up preseason game plays him on the right hand side where he comes on and is really effective it's like what what I yeah. don't know. I don't know what to make of it. I don't know how to fucking understand any of it. I guess, you know, we'll just see what happens with the way that Arsene Wenger uses Theo Walcott. That is usually a bigger indicator of what he's thinking than what he says. But, you know, if Walcott can come on and do that, you know, throughout the season, fine. I'm, I'm happy enough with that. doesn't lessen our need for a new striker or some addition in the, in the forward department. But, you know, it doesn't look likely that we're going to sell him. Uh, the, the situation, I think, remains terribly confused I think it doesn't reflect well on either Walcott or the manager that they've got these mixed messages between them um, and then he comes on and plays really well and scores goals so it's just confusing He's, he confuses me all the time Theo Walcott and that's it it's yeah I mean I, I thought just while we're on the subject I thought he made himself look very silly with those comments I mean if that's how he feels about playing on the right then fair, so be it but it made me feel like it, it was a bit of a joke, I thought, really, after insisting for practically a decade that you mm. were a centre-forward to then be like, oh, actually, having had a go at it, I don't really fancy it. I found a bit... Well, especially at a time really. when Arsenal need a fucking striker. Like, I know. You know. It's just 
bonkers. Walking away from the from the challenge, and then the manager coming out and saying, "Well, we do need a striker, so he's going to have to play there." I mean, it's it, it only underlines the need to buy someone who is actually a striker. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure. And it seems and is happy with that state of affairs. For sure. What, um, so Alexis, I didn't see the whole City game. So Alexis played through the middle, did he? Yeah, he did. Uh, did pretty well. Um, lovely ball for Walcott's uh, for Walcott's mm. goal. Uh, he was lively, created a good chance for for Aaron Ramsey. And you know, I think if he could add, you know, a bit, bit of discipline in that position, if he doesn't look to come and get involved all over the place, then he's he's a really genuine option there because he's a good finisher. Uh, he's quick. He's strong. Uh, takes a good free kick. He hit the bar with a free kick in the second half. Unlucky not to score. And, you know, in the current situation, I think he would be the guy that I would go with up front. Um, so I think perhaps there was a, a hint of that from the manager yesterday, playing him in a preseason game up front against Man City. I think that was, a you know, a little bit of a test, a little bit of a training exercise, get him used to the position. Um, and given that Olivier Giroud is not going to start the season there, uh, and obviously then uh, he'll take a couple of weeks to come back in. I thought it was a reasonable display from Alexis. Uh, I think what would be really important is the support that he gets from the wide players. I'd be interested to see who he's going to play. I think Iwobi on the left-hand side is pretty much nailed down that position for the start of the season. And then, of course, you know he's got Joel Campbell, uh, Oxlade-Chamberlain, Theo Walcott to choose from on the right-hand side. So... You know, we'll see how it goes. I thought it was there were some positives yesterday. Uh, you know, from the from the performance and from the result. Um, but again, you know, the the overall situation leaves a, a bit to be desired. I mean, I guess yeah, we'll talk about it next week. I imagine, but Oxlade Chamberlain had quite a strong preseason, hasn't he? I mean, typically that's that's what he does. Then yeah. fades away yeah. once the competitive action begins. But you'd be probably be looking at him and away be on the flanks, maybe with yeah. Alexis through the middle, as you said at the top of the show. That's not a disastrous front line by any stretch, but I just don't think we have the the requisite goal scoring ability to get us through the whole season yeah yeah I mean that was the thing that struck you about the first half was that we made these chances and didn't take them and that's where that's where the issue was last season it was efficiency in the final third it wasn't that we weren't creating chances you know I remember a couple of seasons ago we went through this dreadful period where we hardly had a shot on goal uh, and people were going we need creativity it's not creativity that's the problem now it's goal scoring it's finishing clinically it's making sure that we put those chances away because mm. what happened was we missed the chances and then went behind to a team's first shot on goal which is which is a you know very arsenal of course so yeah I mean it is about uh, it is about improving our goal scoring efficiency and uh, bringing in new players will will help doing that. Well, I almost wonder back to Walcott very quickly. One almost wonders if his comments are something to do with the the expectation that Arsenal will sign a centre forward. Is that him thinking? Well, if they do, that could be my chances of playing limited. Yeah, you know, how am I going to get in this team? Yeah, that is that's a fair point. That's a fair uh, point. Yeah, I do wonder if that's what he was thinking. And yeah, it could it could well be a case if Arsenal do, heaven forbid, go out and sign a a, a big centre forward or a good centre forward, um, then it does put him further down the pecking order, doesn't it? Because he'd be behind Giroud, he'd be behind um, the new guy. Uh, you know, he's still got a lot of competition to get into the team. There's no suggestion that he's a first choice pick as it stands, you mm. know, on the right hand side. So, yeah, maybe there was a touch of self-preservation about it. But, um, you know, I don't think he's stupid, Theo Walcott. So maybe there's, there's definitely something to that. 
Well, yeah, yeah maybe. Mm. Wouldn't surprise me. A bit of cowardice from Thea. Well, <laughs> running, running away from a challenge, who would have thought? <laughs> Nobody saw that Sunderland game, did they? No. Yeah. <laughs> um, right, elsewhere, uh, Serge Gnabry scoring at the Olympics. Yes, and Takumasano as well, let's not forget. Yeah, so the two Arsenal boys out there are scoring. Uh, they both scored in the opening two games. Gnabry got two against South Korea. And uh, Asano got one against uh, Nigeria in the first game. He got one against, um, who were they playing? Colombia. They were playing Colombia. That was a good finish too. So, uh, doing okay? Gnabry doing very well for himself. Do you think that, I don't know, stands him instead of being part of the squad for this season? Or do you expect him to go out? Uh, good question. It's difficult to know, isn't it? Because we've, we've just been talking about Campbell, Oxlade-Chamberlain, Awobi, uh, Walcott, uh, you know, players that we have for, for the right-hand side. Interestingly, Gnabry's playing on the left for mm. Germany, um, which he hasn't done a lot of at Arsenal. I think maybe he played a bit there for the under-21s towards the end of last season. But a couple of the goals that he scored, the goal he scored in the first game against Mexico, I think, and then the, uh, the first goal he scored against South Korea... Quite Henri-esque in that, you know, he's taken the ball uh, to the left-hand side of the box and then curled it into the right-hand side of the goal. He's a player that Arsene Wenger likes. He's clearly a a very talented player, a player of some potential. But I do wonder maybe if there are doubts about him. Obviously, there are fitness doubts and fitness issues that he has. Um, uh, He's endured. He had a bad loan spell at West Brom. But... Uh, I wonder if there's just something else. His contract is up at the end of 2017 as well, so they've got to make a decision about him one way or the other this season. So involve him, give him a new contract, or let him go out on loan and, and see if see how he goes there before you try and tie him down. I don't know. It's a difficult one. I think he'll be out on loan still. I can't see him making much impact on uh, on the uh, first team this season. But mm. uh, you know, if he does go on loan, let's hope it proves more successful than his time at the Hawthorns because yeah. that was nothing short of a disaster. Yeah, yeah. Uh, anything else catch your eye? Uh, well, there was the Community Shield yesterday, wasn't there? In uh, away from yeah. yeah. Did you see any of that at all? I did. I watched it. I watched. I sat there and answered a load of emails and watched that. Uh, it was quite quite dull. Good to see mm. Wes Morgan reverting to the Wes Morgan that we all knew and loved before last season. Yes, indeed. Good to see Jamie Vardy being fit and scoring goals. Yeah. <laughs> uh, which is what we were, at some stage, some people were hoping he would do an Arsenal shirt. But yeah. no, he's gearing up for that game against us, isn't he, in just a couple of weeks' time. <laughs> yeah, and typically uh, Zlatan scored the, the winner and then posted up a tweet about, I think he put up number 31 or 32 or something, as if, you know, this is his count of all the major trophies that he's won in his career. So it's good to know that the Community Shield is now a major trophy. Yeah. That adds I to our list, doesn't uh, it? <laughs> yeah, we should start putting them up around the sort of concourse of the Emirates and then we'll be fine. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, so, you know, United back to being fully evil, aren't they, really, under Mourinho? Yeah, did you see that? He put uh, Juan Mata on as a substitute, then took him off. <laughs> I mean, I mean that, hello. What a cunt. Seriously. I know it was yeah. all smiles and jokes, but you do that to a player and you're sending them a message and you're, it's really humiliating, isn't it? It was, it was, I mean, why bring him on at all? Yeah. Just to Dude, do that to him. That's why he brought him on to do that to him. Just uh, that's his message to him and to the rest of the squad. This is what I can do to you. He didn't play Mkhitaryan at all, did he? Or he brought him on in the last minute or something like that? Four matter, I think. Right. Was that? Okay. Yeah. I mean, there's, so, a, like, there's another message, isn't it? Yeah. 
crazy. Fucking And hell. he said he brought Matter off because he was um, the shortest player uh, on the field and he wanted to resist long balls. But Mkhitaryan's, I think, two inches taller or something like that. It's, like, it's you know... <laughs> Yeah, like Juan Matas, the guy who's going to be fucking heading the ball out of the fucking the the penalty box when the long balls yeah. goes in. That's why you have central defenders. Oh, so I should tell us a Wenger. Right. Um, okay. Well, I think we should take a break. Actually, I just wanted to uh, to talk about one tweet that I got um, yesterday. Uh, I, I posted a little thing at uh, at a halftime in the in the the preseason game, and my tweet was halftime. One nil down. Some positive stuff, but fluffing lots of chances and going behind to their first real one is all too familiar. And I got a tweet back from Stop Dissenseless Killing, who said, I will unfollow oo if oo don't stop lying. (laughs) (laughs) Brilliant. I enjoyed that, I have to say. Oh, man. There were some tweets yesterday, but that was my favorite. I will unfollow if we don't <laughs> stop lying. <laughs> stop lying, man. You yeah. need to stop that lying. Absolutely. All right, we're going to take a short break. We're going to come back with your questions and the Nando's thing right after this. Yes. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome back to the Arscast Extra. This is the part of the show when we plug in our headphones again and we answer mm-hmm. the questions sent to us on Twitter <laughs> at GunnerBlog. And that took way too long, man. Way too long. Um, well, for me to realise that my headphones weren't plugged yeah, in. Yeah, yeah. I was sitting there going, hello, hello. And I could hear you typing away, typing away, typing away. I was going, put your headphones in. Jesus. Did I whisper anything embarrassing to myself? Or No, no, actually. That's a relief. That is good, actually. Yeah, you, you didn't say anything worse. bad to somebody in a different room or anything like that. So that's good. Um, good, good, good. Anyway, this is where we answer the question sent to us on Twitter, at GunnerBlog and at ArsBlog. ArsBlog. Sorry, my voice is going. Um, uh, so look, let me, let's get on with it, right? Uh, this one comes okay. from at AFC Met. And he said, if you were Arsene Wenger, what would your starting 11 be against Liverpool? Ooh, Based on what we've got finger. right now, I guess. Okay. Well, I guess it would be Petr Cech in goal. Mm-hmm. Um, Hector Bellerin and Nacho Monreal at fullback. Mm-hmm. I 
guess it would be Callum Chambers and Laurent Koscielny. Yeah. At centre-half. Yeah. I'm not comfortable with the Koscielny thing, but I don't know how much choice I've got. Um, in midfield... Uh, it, in midfield, it gets a little bit trickier, actually. Yeah. Because I'm not sure who's going to play... Is it Santi Cazorla? Do you think he's available? He's not available, is he? I think he might be. He played 90 minutes against Viking, uh, came yeah. on again against Man City, played, I think, 20 minutes, something like that, against Manchester City. So I'm assuming, based on that, that he's fit. Okay, okay. I actually find it really difficult to pick the midfield because yeah. ordinarily you've got Meza Ozil, haven't you, as the kind of fulcrum, as number 10, but he's not going to be playing. So you have to sort of answer the question of who's going to... Who's going to be deployed there? What do you What do you think of the situation? Yeah, I think it's really it's interesting. I'm very interested to see what's going to happen because he played Granite Jacker in the first half and brought on Mohamed El Neni in the second half. Um, mm. El Neni looks, I think, he looks a really good player, mm. and he played Ramsey in the number ten kind of role yesterday as well, which allowed him that license to get forward and to attack the way that the way that he likes to. And I do wonder if at a time where our striking options aren't necessarily as convincing as we might like, that's something that he might do to give us that extra bit of threat in the final third. So it's then about who partners Xhaka. So would he play Xhaka and Cazorla, Xhaka and Elneny? He played Xhaka with Coquelin yesterday. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see exactly what he does in there. I don't. I, I don't I'll, know. I don't know what he's going to do. I, I don't know what he's going to do. I think I will probably do. I would probably do. Uh, I think I'd probably do Shaka and El Neni with yeah. Ramsey ahead. Yeah. So leave Santi on the bench if and when yeah, you need I think him. So. Right. I think so. So who's your um, who's your front three then? Front three, Alexis, I guess, up mm-hmm. top. Um, and then, as I said in the first half, probably. Probably Oxlade Chamberlain and Iwobi. Yeah, um, I think that would be my three. I think Joel Campbell's close to a start, just in terms of you know being a bit more mm. senior than Iwobi, maybe. But you know, I think Iwobi's been very impressive in preseason, and El Nani and Iwobi were quite integral in our sort of improvement right at the tail end of last season. Yeah. And I think that they probably deserve to to start the new campaign as mm. well. I think he'll probably go for Oxlade Chamberlain on the right, Iwobi on the left, and Alexis down the middle. Yeah. If it were me, I would go with Iwobi on the left, Alexis uh, as our striker, and I think I'd play Joel Campbell on the right hand yeah. side. Yeah. Yeah. Just to give us that. I mean, he he works really hard, provides some defensive security, and then if. It's a case we need to do something to get a goal in the final 20 minutes. At least you've got Oxlade-Chamberlain, you've got Walcott, even, who we saw make an impact against Man City. Mm-hmm. That, I think, is where I would be, where I'd be looking. I think he does more than work hard as well. He's a, he's a decent Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. he's good and creatively good. He, uh, there was a, a bit yesterday that, that I'm surprised hasn't been vined or gift to Kingdom Come. It was really 
close towards the end of the game, and I think it might have been overshadowed by what happened just moments later when Gabriel got injured. He did like a double drag back uh, around the halfway line right near the touchline and kept the ball and kept it moving down the left-hand side, which was a fantastic bit of skill. I must just check and see, did uh, did our good pal at Arsenalist uh, get that one? Um, because it was a really lovely piece of skill. Um, yeah. I think, so he's a, I think he's a really handy player he's one I have to say I'm very glad's not left the club mm. this summer yeah um, I thought there was a real do you remember towards the end of last season he was barely in the side actually it's yeah. quite unfortunate to be left out but I think he's a very very useful squad player yeah yeah absolutely and I think I give him the nod against Liverpool ahead of uh, Oxley chamberlain to be honest mm. Mm. okay uh, I think I might do as well but I think Wenger will will go for Oxley chamberlain yeah, yeah as he tends to on these occasions. Um, well, speaking of attacking options, Tarek Sasso, who's Tas Sasso on Twitter, says, What does Tuba Akpom have to do to get a chance to start as our striker? He's scoring and he's fit. What does he have to do? He scores uh, an awful lot of goals in pre-season, doesn't he, Tuba Akpom? He does, yeah. And I think I had a question about them as well. Uh, about him as well. I'm just going to see if I can if I can get it up here. But um, but um, yeah. This one comes from uh, John Grigsby at Griggles John, uh, and he says Akpom scoring for fun in pre-season, but they're tap-ins. Great mm. positioning or luck? What is his role? Um, so I, you know, I think that's quite an interesting point because uh, having the ability to be in the right place at the right time in the penalty box, some people might call it luck. Other people will say it's good timing, good movement, good awareness, good anticipation, all those things that, that really top strikers have. Um, so maybe there's, you know, well, maybe that's part of his skill set is being in the right place at the right time. You know, they're not uh, hugely difficult finishes that he's being presented with. Um, so. What does he have to do to get a game? I don't know. I mean, he's got to be better than Alexis Sanchez in that position. Is that not what you know? where we are at this moment in time? He's got to be better than Olivier Giroud. He's got to be better than whoever might come in as a, a striker. Um, you know, for a young guy, he's got, you know, good attributes. He's, he's, uh, he's quite tall, actually, isn't he, Akpom? He's taller than you think. Um, yeah, he is. Probably uh, his hair, I suspect. <laughs> but... Yeah, I, I don't know. I, do, I just feel like for a striker, maybe another loan might be the, the best thing for him. But at the moment, I don't think we can afford to do that. We've got to keep him around because we need that bit of, we need that bit of depth in the squad. Who knows what might happen on, on Sunday against Liverpool. He could be a guy who we need and we take him off the bench and put him on. And he, you know, his, uh, his anticipation, his awareness, his movement, his luck, whatever you might call it, might present him with a tap-in that proves very effective for us. You know, it's about taking his chances when he's given them. It's very difficult to make an assessment on what a player does in preseason, though, isn't it? That's just what it boils down to. You really can't make any definitive judgment on a player until you see him in a competitive, a truly competitive environment. That's it. I mean, it is a curious thing. I, every time I see that he scored in a friendly, I go to watch the goal and I kind of hope to see, you know, some of the the quality of his finishing that was evident at youth level, but they are they are generally tap-ins. They are goals that, granted, I wouldn't I wouldn't be quick enough to be in the right place. I wouldn't have the position or know how to be in the right place, but mm. I could kick the ball into the empty net from that position some of the time. Yeah. But, um, 
as you say, it's difficult to know if that's if that's luck or judgment. And uh, I, I think he still is some way away from being ready to challenge for a regular place. It's not as if he's, you know, it's not like a Wobi where he's kind of doing things that if a senior player was doing, you'd, it would really take you aback, you know. Yeah. It's it's a different scale of uh, contribution. So I think it's good for Appom's confidence uh, that he's scoring in pre-season. And I think the best way to look at it is hopefully a signing comes in and these goals that he scored in the summer earn him a loan move to somewhere where he, he'll get an opportunity to play more often. Yeah. I mean, do, would you start him up front ahead of Theo Walcott? I wouldn't, personally, no. I wouldn't start him up front ahead of Theo Walcott, Alexis Sanchez. I'd probably even look at repurposing, you know, someone like a, a Joel Campbell before I turned to Akpom. I, I, think he's, I think he's a promising player, but I think he's quite some way from being ready for, for that level of football. Mm. Hmm. What about yourself? Yeah. It's difficult. Sometimes you, you want to err on the side of experience, don't you? But yeah. then how many times does the experience... Well, experience would let us down a lot bit. Yeah, <laughs> You know, but yeah, I, I wouldn't start him ahead of Alexis. Uh, you know, when Walcott can play well uh, or does play well as a centre forward, he's hugely effective. It's just that, you know, it's few and far between. Those are the, 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 it's sort of like the, what do they say? A stop clock is right, you know, twice a day kind of thing. You know, it does yeah. happen, but just not uh, anywhere near frequently enough. Um, Joel Campbell, I can't ever see Arsene Wenger using him as a striker, to be honest. Um, no. He seems reluctant to, to do that. So, look, at the moment, he adds some depth to our squad uh, that we need, but hopefully and this is not being in any way disparaging to him and I hope at some point he can you know have a good career at Arsenal as a as a great goal scorer that would be amazing but I don't think he's quite ready yet and I think he needs to go I think he needs a Premier League loan to be perfectly honest mm-hmm. people spoke about you know if he played for Arsenal as opposed to playing for Hull would he not have more chances would there not be more opportunities for him to score goals and I think that's a you know a, a reasonable point to make um you know he only got 7 last season for Hull um, but I think probably a, a season of Premier League football, at least playing semi-regularly, would would be the right thing for his development. And I don't think, unless it all goes completely wrong with injuries, and I'm touching wood right here, uh, I don't think he's going to get that at Arsenal. So, no, nor I, mm. nor I. Well, based on that, is it? Is it it's not my question, is no, it? No, can I on. do one anyway? Yeah. Okay. Thank you very much. Well, if it's not going to be Akpom, uh, Finn asks, who is going to have a breakthrough season this year? So hard to know, isn't it? Um, yeah, who I would mean, have predicted Cochlear? Who would have predicted Bellerin? Bellerin? Who is going to have a breakthrough? It's, I don't know that anyone will. Um, in some ways you kind of hope they don't right because that means that the senior players have remained fit and remained in form we haven't had to turn to the younger players yeah I mean we all love a uh, a young player coming through and you know maybe you could look at Iwobi as somebody who is still making his breakthrough yeah you know he's he's got into the team um, he's performing pretty well consistently the talent is there 
you know, I think if we can see more from Iwobi, we could consider that more of a breakthrough. It was like Bellerin in his first season and then was able to replicate that in his second season. So that's what we're looking for from, from Alex Iwobi. Who else is there bubbling under? I mean, Christian Bielik looks a very interesting player and I think the manager's comments about him are, are interesting too in that he's signed him uh, you know, as a, a defensive midfielder, but has moved him back into central defender because he, his ability on the ball is what he wants from mm. from his central defenders. But at eighteen, is he is he ready yet? I don't I don't think you can be at eighteen unless you're an absolute prodigy. Um, but I think he's an interesting player, somebody who might get some games in the in the Capital One Cup, for example, in that position. Um, but again, somebody you might have to go out on loan uh, to, to develop as a player. Beyond that, you know, you're looking at when you look at the uh, the team, which I'm just going to do right now, the reserves and youth team. Uh, let's have a look here. Boom, ba-dum, boom, boom. Look at the academy the, team. Who the one that jumps out at me potentially if, after his first team promotion and squad number and oh. all that is Jeffrey Adelaide, of course. Yeah, the Jeff, the Jeff. But the again, Jeff where 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 does he play? if all the established options we have for the right and left-hand side are, are fit and available. Of course, that, that, that's a laugh in itself, fit and available. Um, but, you know, someone like, if the Jeff makes the breakthrough uh, this season or makes any kind of a breakthrough this season, he will have to play extremely well or we will have to have had a terrible, terrible injury crisis in the front three. Well, I know which of those is more likely. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, the two things aren't unlikely uh, together, you know. Um, yeah. But yeah, obviously they see something in him and have promoted him to the first team squad. So there must be some intention of using him um, or, or at think, least, you know, having him in there to provide the competition to spur the others into into good performances. Yeah, I think like Bielik, his chances will probably primarily come in the domestic cups, but... If you can impress there, you know, you never know. I think he, he's probably in a similar position to Iwobi was this time a year ago, mm. you know, right on the fringes of the first team, but very highly thought of. So it'd be interesting to see what happens with him. Mm. All right, here's a question from Mark Cronin at MarcusFox85. And he says, hi, lads. Do you think there's any chance we could sign Griezmann? Few rumours about. I'd be very surprised. I mean... There has been some talk, when we were talking earlier about, you know, is there a domino rally that could take place? The only piece that I was thinking could move is potentially Diego Costa. You know, there's been talk about him going back to Atletico Madrid. What would the repercussions of that be? But Griezmann's just agreed a a, a brand new deal, has he not? And I think, yeah, even if they bring Costa in, I mean, he's a very, he's quite a different type of player. I'd love it. I would love to see Griezmann at Arsenal, mm. but I've... I've no confidence this deal that we that we would have any chance of pulling off. What, what do you think? Yeah, a bit like you. It's the only one that I can see us, or that's so complicated that it might be taking this long, right? Because if you if you know you need a striker at the end of last season, which we did, and the, the managers on record are saying we need a striker. If you needed a striker, you would have had a striker by now, I think, mm. right? Especially with the Welbeck injury, with Giroud coming back late, you, we would have had a striker if it was just any striker. Um, but it's just so unlikely, given the fact that he signed a brand new contract uh, on the 30th of June, 
he signed a brand new contract. I don't know if there's any uh, mention of his release clause in that contract. I assume well, there is one. Spanish players all have them, yeah. Um, so I th- let's have a look. I'm just looking at the Guardian now. Yeah. No mention there. I mean, if he's going to have one, it's going to be something absurd, I would imagine. You know, like a kind of Pogba money, yeah. I would think. Yeah, and look, what he said about um, what he said about uh, signing a new contract doesn't make you think that he's in any way minded to leave. You know, he's talking about mm-hmm. we would like to improve, we want to continue with the key players we have and with the coach. I mean, they did sign a striker, didn't they? Already? Did they not sign the guy from Sevilla? Yeah. Kevin uh, Gamero. Gamero. So if Costa goes back there, I don't know why they would take him back, though, because he's such an awful cunt. Why would you do <laughs> I know he probably fits in with uh, Simeone, but there you go. Um, yeah, I mean, I no, I, I can't see it. There's just no way. No way. This is Arsenal we're talking about here. Not a club that does things like this. So yeah, no. I mean, you mentioned Lacazette earlier. Do you do you get the impression that kind of that's the one that the club are sort of sitting on slightly, waiting to see if anything else comes up? Maybe, maybe. I mean, it it strikes me that if we'd really wanted to get Lacazette, we could have done it by now. Yeah. Right. Despite everything that Leon say about him being not for sale, you know that's bullshit. Give them enough money, and he's for sale. He's for sale for 50 or 60 million quid, yeah, exactly. I'm sure. Exactly. Um, so I do wonder if there's, if there's something going on. Could we perhaps be waiting for Everton to sign a striker? Ah, perchance. That's the one I hadn't thought of particularly. There was a lot of talk about Chelsea and Lukaku, wasn't there, a couple of weeks ago? £65 million pound yeah. price tag mooted. Um Maybe, although Everton are financially a different proposition to what they've been in the past. Yeah, they went after um, Draxler. They made a big offer for Draxler, apparently, after all that stuff broke last week. Yeah, I heard some, some talk about that. So I think it'd be difficult to prize Lukaku away from there this summer now. But mm. who knows? Who knows? I, I, as I said earlier in the show, I can't really see who the big pieces are that are going to move yeah. in the next few weeks. So very difficult to make a call. Um let, what, should we have another question? Yeah. Oh, it's your well, question now. I've done No, I just asked answer. you. I just asked you the one about Griezmann. You asked me the Jesus. one about Griezmann. Okay, <laughs> let's have this one. Ian Moat, not the most cheerful question. Uh, Ian oh. in Shanghai on Twitter. He says, uh, could you place bets on how long into the Liverpool game before the crowd sing, spend some fucking money? <laughs> um, again, that, that depends completely on the performance and the scoreline, doesn't it? Yes. I don't think it will take long. If we were to go behind, for example, I would suggest that goal would be met with a chorus of disapproval. Would that be a nice way of saying it? Diplomatic way of saying it? Yeah, that would be a very diplomatic way of saying it. I think that would be... Yeah, I think that's what would happen there if we were behind. And I don't think that that song would take too long to get an airing. No, it's quite catchy, isn't it? I it can is. imagine it. Yeah, it is. We all know the tune. I like the Paul Oakenfold remix of it. It's great. I loved uh, I loved Johnny Cash's version he did on his last album. <laughs> I mean, people complain that our fans don't sing enough, but I suspect in those circumstances, <laughs> you'll hear plenty of that one. You definitely will. Um, but yeah, yeah I- look, if it's a case that we're winning, 
you know, what, there's no need to sing it. Well, I mean, there might be a need to sing it, but, you know, if we're winning and playing well, then I think people will be actually excited and happy and probably a bit relieved about that. I think there's, do you feel like there's a fear in the air at the moment in terms of, you know, this opening game of the season against Liverpool, obviously because of the, the um, you know, the injury situation at the back, but just generally speaking, it feels like, you know, there's. It reminds me of the Aston Villa uh, year, 2013, just a bit. It does feel like that. It feels eerily reminiscent. I mean, I know you shouldn't read too much into friendlies, but did you see Liverpool play Barcelona the other day? I didn't. No. <laughs> Were they good? That's probably for the best. Yeah, I think they beat them four now. I mean, it's you know, it's only a friendly, but they seem to be shaping up quite well, mm. um, and there seems to be quite a lot of confidence. You know, around, around them, uh, they've got a manager who thinks energised them. They've made uh, a few big signings. You know, they spent a lot of money on on Mane, didn't they? He scored against Barcelona the other day. Yeah, I think uh, I think that will be a very very challenging opening game. I think that's true. I think that's true. <laughs> you know, and uh, you know, it feels like we're not prepared properly for it, or we haven't prepared properly for it. I don't mean in terms of our fitness. I don't mean in terms of our tactical work, or you know, the, I don't mean in terms of the players that we have. It's just not having enough of the players that we need. That's that's where it comes down to. And there's been so much. I mean, the club have said, the manager has said, and the chief executive have said, you know, that we need players. They've admitted mm-hmm. this publicly. Um, you know, so you can't expect people to be understanding if you go into a game against very strong opposition and it doesn't go well. You can't, you just can't say on the one hand, yeah, we're short of players and then hide behind that if the result doesn't go your way. You're going to have to stand up and fucking take that right in the tits, which is what would happen if we don't get the right result. You're absolutely right. It's not. It doesn't. Matter. It's not a very cheerful thought, though, is it? No, it's not. And I hope it doesn't happen. Obviously, I hope we don't hear that song. And I hope you know they actually spend some fucking money. And I hope that uh, at halftime or you know before the 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 next home game, uh, Arsene Wenger comes out on the pitch, grabs the microphone, waves his arms around just to shush everybody down, <laughs> and then goes, "I spend some fucking money." <laughs> and then just drops the mic and walks off. And we go, oh, yeah, and we've got, like, all these good new players. That would be fantastic. I'm not necessarily confident that will uh, that will happen just the way I imagine no, it. Though. Me neither. I mean, the, the, things have got so desperate that as I speak to you on social media, there's a picture doing the rounds. I don't know if you'll have seen it. Of Arsene Wenger stood on the beach talking to a man in a suit. <laughs> have you seen this? No. Who's... <laughs> uh, if you look at the timeline of uh, Darren Arsenal one on Twitter, right. he shared. I think it came via I don't know journalist who's obviously at the training camp, ah. and it's Arsene Wenger stood right at the shore of the sea with a man in a suit, and there's just theories circulating about who this man might be. He doesn't look like a central defender. I'll give you that much. All right, but what's going on there? What is he saying? I can see the picture. What's he saying? Don't do it, Arson. Don't walk into the sea. Don't. Yeah. With stones in his pockets. I don't know. <laughs> he's got all Arsenal's money in his pockets. So he's walking out into the sea. Um, I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a... 
Yeah, it's. I can't believe we've done this again. Really, we've gone down I the can, rabbit hole again, James. And yet I can. <laughs> <laughs> yet I can. Um, yeah. Just okay. Well, while we were just talking about uh, Jurgen Klopp, did you see him refusing to speak to the Sun? I did indeed. I yeah. like that. And you know what? A lot of people said this is because of obviously the Sun's terrible, appalling history with Hillsborough. Yeah. Uh, but it was actually to do uh, with uh, what would you call it? A kiss and tell? A really grotty tabloid piece about Dejan Lovren and uh, something to do with his personal life. And on that basis, Jurgen Klopp refused to speak to the Sun. I think that's fucking deadly. I really, really think that's fantastic. I like the way he said to him, you can listen and it's not personal, but I'm not going to talk to the Sun. I don't talk yeah. to the Sun. I thought that was fucking excellent. That was great. I, I did wonder what specifically had sparked it, because he says something yeah. like, it's to do with a story you're going to yeah. do next week. And apparently it like came out in the, the Sun yesterday, a big splash about his personal life, which, you know, frankly, is none of anybody's fucking business. Nobody should really care. But, of course, um, you know, the, the tabloids have created these kind of stories all down the years and have never suffered any consequences for them. And now it's really interesting, isn't it? Like, whatever fucking asshole put the story out in the first place, the guy who's paying for it is the football reporter. Of course. Because of the actions of the, the publication. I think it's fucking excellent. I really do. Yeah, I it's, it's, it's hard not to be impressed by Klopp, I think, yeah. as a guy. Seems yeah. like a, a very reasonable bloke. And did you see um, <laughs> there was a tweet from John Bruin uh, of ESPN? Have you seen mm. that one? No. Um, if you get up his Twitter timeline... Um, which I'm going to do right here. I'm doing John the same. John ESPN Twitter. And he's posted a picture. <laughs> and it says, uh, the Liverpool fitness coach is going for a certain look. And there's a guy sitting behind Jurgen Klopp. And it's like... It's, it's like, crazy. It's mad, isn't it? The same glasses, same kind of beard. Same hair. Same hair, same tracksuit. It's like, oh come on! They must be. There must be a bet, right? Must He's be come a bet. dressed as him, hasn't he? Yeah, surely. It's like a like a Halloween costume tryout or something. Brilliant. That is very strange. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'd love to see that Arsenal. Someone just dressed as Arsenal and sat behind him. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I don't know who could do that. Who could pull off the arson look? You know, it's difficult. It's difficult. Yeah. You need to be. You need to be particularly long and thin, gaunt. Yeah, yeah. Pellegrini, maybe get Pellegrini. Yeah, he could do that. Yeah, <laughs> popping behind him on the bench. All right. Well, look. Um, before we drive ourselves mad again, will we do the will we do the Nando's thing? Please tell me about it. Right. So, I was in town last Wednesday evening, and I had time on my hands. And uh, I said, well, this is, this is the moment. This is the opportunity. I've got to wait for about 45 minutes uh, for somebody. So that seems like ample time to go and sample the delights of Nando's. So what, t what time was it? Seven in the evening. Okay. Something okay. like so that. So it's, it's dinner's proper dinner. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. So went in with uh, Mrs. Bloggs and uh, the guy said, two of you? And we were the only two standing there. And it was like, yes, yes, just two, please. So he, he brought us over to a table. Mm -hmm. um, we sat down. And then <laughs> <laughs> he explained the concept of a menu to me. Because he said, <laughs> have you ever been in Nando's before? And I said, no, it's my first time. So he opened yeah. up this list of things 
that was printed on a menu. And he said, basically, these are all the things that we have. And when you decide what you would like, you go up there and ask for them, and then we bring it to your table. And I thought, well, that was really fucking helpful because I'd never have worked that out. If he hadn't explained that to me, I'd have been going, what is this sheet of paper with all the all these words on it and pictures and things? How does this work? So I took your advice. Go on. I got a half chicken. Okay. With two sides. You mentioned the peas, so I got the mm. peas. Mm. And I got some chips. Okay, not unreasonable so far. Spice-wise, I like spicy food. So I got it hot. Okay, that's sort of kind of, yeah, that's not crazy hot, but it's no, sort of spicy-ish. Yeah. yeah, so I figured I'd go hot, and then if it's, like, really hot, then I won't worry about it. But I went over, and I got, like, the extra hot sauce bottle from the thing. You gave yourself options. I gave myself options. Wasn't long sitting there when all of a sudden a lady came down and delivered the food to the table. Just like the guy promised. It was amazing. Amazing. It was, and it was the same food that had been written on the piece of paper. Yeah, I, w- I asked for it, and then they brought me that very thing. It was fucking remarkable. I, you know, people should introduce this concept throughout the world. I think, you know, <laughs> the general public would really enjoy it. So the food came, and there's my half a chicken, and there's my chips, and there's my peas. Sure. Did you ever, right. did you ever go-, go on a ferry? In your life. Yeah, I've been on a ferry. Yeah? Yeah. I used to get the ferry because when we lived in England, we lived in Yorkshire, and we used to, you know, uh, myself, my brother, and my man would come back to Ireland, and we would get the ferry from Liverpool. It took nine hours to get from Liverpool to Dublin. I remember those ferries very well, very well. There was a lot of vomit going around, splashing around the decks. But I was reminded, (laughs) as I sat there looking at my Nando's, of the kids' menu... That was on a ferry. It was chicken and chips. Chicken and chips. Chicken and chips. And I saw what they did. They took the chicken out of like a thing and they plonked it on a big grill and the guy got like a paintbrush and painted on the sauce. It's art. It's like art. So you have this chicken and chips and, you know... It's not great, really, is it? It's not, it's, not the, it's not the best food I ever had in my life. I was thinking at the time, maybe it's like four out of ten, this. And then as I left the restaurant and I felt shame, I felt guilt and shame at eating this food, I, I decided it was more like a, a three out of ten experience. A three out of ten. And then as the evening progressed... And I had problems digesting this food. I was, I was down to a two out of ten sort of situation. I didn't feel right for about a day and a half after really? eating it. Yeah, it really did not sit very well with me. And I'm guessing, now maybe I'm wrong, that the provenance of these chickens is not... I mean, I, I can't imagine that these chickens are free-range, living outside grass-fed, free to come and go as they like. I suspect that these chickens are, you know... I think when these chickens are killed, they're probably happy to go. 
they're like take me now yeah, kill me please kill me please it. kill me like i'm a yeah. malformed thing in a cage with you know wings that haven't grown properly because i've got no room and i've got no feathers and i'm gr- just kill me feed me to some fucking irishman slather me with hot fucking portuguese sauce <laughs> paint me. yeah paint, paint me. me with your hot sauce and just put it get me out of my misery <laughs> that's what i was thinking about the whole thing and uh, i have to say that i did not enjoy it at all Oh no! Well, that means do you know what that means. We're not going to be getting any free Nando's. We're not we're definitely not going to be getting any free Nando's. But if they did give me some free Nando's, I would feed it to my dog, <laughs> probably. Or me, I will still eat it. Let's yeah. make that clear. Yeah. If anyone from, if John Nando's is listening, I I am still interested. Yeah, one black card, please, for Gunner Blog here. Our yeah. blog declines <laughs> the offer very very much. In fairness, it it just struck me as the kind of place that is, let's say. It's not, it's not for me. It's not aimed at me, right? Because it, it was yeah. full of quite young people, people who were younger than, than I was. I was undoubtedly the oldest person in there because everyone else yeah. seemed m- much younger and much more willing to eat this shite. On this, we don't know any different. I mean, I'm I'm not that young either, to be honest. But I still I still think even between you and me, there was probably a gap where yeah. the, chick- the quality of chicken really went downhill fast. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah, not not good, not good. But look, I tried. I took one for the team, and um, you did, and I yeah. admire that. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you very much. No, you're Thank welcome. you for, for taking your part. We should have a think about what the next trial should be. Yeah, let's think about one that's actually good and enjoyable. Well, you like the jam one, so we'll have to we'll have to think about that. I did I like Mrs. I did like Mrs. Blog's comment about uh, why it's so popular with footballers. Go on. She said, "Hello, I'm an emotionally stunted man child. Feed me." <laughs> <laughs> and that also applies to me, I suspect. So yeah. There you go. Yeah, so there you go. But look, there you go. Still, at least after talking about Nando's, we made Nando's happen. Now, Arsenal, after talking about transfers, please make transfers happen. Please. It's so straightforward, surely. Just do it. All right, look, we're going to have to run. We're going to have to leave it there. Um, Remember, folks, you can check out Beast's comedy show at the Edinburgh Festival in the Pleasance. That's absolutely right. The Pleasance, 7 o'clock every day. Go see it if you're in Edinburgh or if you're not in Edinburgh. Go to Edinburgh uh, and see it. Uh, We'll be back next Monday to talk about whatever songs have been sung after the Liverpool game or during the Liverpool game. The Arsecast regular returns on Friday. We'll be previewing the new season, looking ahead to the whole new Premier League season um, and all that. And uh, we'll catch you on the next Arsecast Extra. So until then, have a good one. Bye-bye. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com.